Welcome to another episode of Do Loss. My name is Levi Bimba, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about another mass shooting, but another pro-life bill. So early, early yesterday morning in New York, uh, around 8.30 a.m., a man donned a gas mask and just completely started to randomly open fire on people within the subway uh, up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, right now, they've caught the suspect as of uh, today, but they have not figured out necessarily a motive for what he did. It was a very chaotic and troubling scene. And uh, according to the USA Today, uh, this is what uh, has taken place. And as that's coming up, um, what reminded me of the chaotic uh, 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 verse in the Bible was there's a testimony of a woman in the article that talked about how it was a chaotic and bloody scene. And one minute she was on her phone, and the next minute it was just chaos everywhere. So I wanted to read a little bit about what happened and then talk about her report or her report within the article. So according to the USA Today, it says that the, uh, the attacker wearing a gas mask set off two smoke grenades before shooting. He fled the Brooklyn platform in the panic, leaving a subway car filled with screaming commuters and bleeding victims. At least 10 people were shot and at least 19 others were taken to hospitals for injuries ranging from smoke inhalation to shrapnel wounds. So, again, this is people just going to work, going to or going about their business up in New York in the subway. And then all of a sudden somebody throws out two smoke grenades, puts on a gas mask and just starts shooting people for no apparent reason. Uh, this one of the uh, city officials was saying that we are truly fortunate that this was not significantly significantly worse than it is. So thankfully, nobody died um, and nobody, as far as I'm aware, has suffered any life threatening injuries. And so um, so we're definitely thankful for thankful to God that nobody's life was lost. Um, but one lady's account uh, of the event yesterday morning kind of struck me because it reminded me of what the Bible says regarding judgment that comes swiftly on uh, sinners, which includes all of us. So even including the people that were shot, they are still, uh, in the ultimate sense, not necessarily victims. They're just uh, experiencing some of the justice of God against their sin. So uh, Avignana de la Cruz, 25, was texting her boss that she would be late to work while waiting for the subway when dozens of people, some with bloodstains, started running out of the station. De la Cruz says, uh, said people were crying and shouting while others called the police or recorded with their phones. Confused, De La Cruz remained at the station until an announcement told riders to evacuate. As De La Cruz exited the station, a woman covered in blood with a wound across her face asked for help finding police. Together, they left the subway and found an ambulance. Quote, this is what De La Cruz says. One minute I was on my phone and the next everyone, everyone was running and crying. It was chaos in there and hard to focus on whether the attack was really over. So again, this is just one of the things that I mentioned earlier about why this struck me is that she says one minute I was on my phone and then the next minute everybody was running, crying and screaming and there was blood. And so this is one of the things where we kind of get into the groove of living our lives and doing the things that we want to do, going to work, um, you know, watching TV, going out to the mall or going to going traveling or, you know, going across the world and, and visiting different places that we want to visit and just enjoying the life that God has, has allowed us to enjoy. And as Christians, obviously, we understand that everything is a gift from God. All things are gifts from God above. So we understand that all the things that we experience, life, breath, food, clothing, comforts, luxuries, all the things that we have, these are all gifts from God in one form or another because God 
does not have to give us these things because naturally we are sinners and we deserve only one thing, which is judgment and, uh, and hell ultimately. And so when uh, attacks like this happen, it's easy to think of them as, you know, these people are just innocent victims, innocent bystanders, and which is true within the temporal uh, human sense. If this guy just randomly fired on people that were just going about their business, not really causing him any individual harm, any particular harm, but he just fires on them and, and causes death. And, and thankfully, nobody lost their life because of it. But ultimately speaking, these kinds of events should remind us that our lives are not our own, that our lives are just within one minute can change from complete um, uh, steadiness and, and, and comfort to the next minute. We are in danger of our lives and even ultimately meeting God and having to give an account for our lives. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures that kind of remind us and bring us back to reality of how fragile our lives are. And the first one is in First Thessalonians uh, verse 5, 1 through 10, where Paul says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And again, thieves usually come when you're not expecting them. I mean, we have security, we have alarm systems, we have uh, all kinds of things that kind of uh, give us some comfort at night. Um, but again, these come when we, when we least expect them. It just happens. You know, people are in the store or they're in their home or they're walking down the street or at the park or whatever. And then all of a sudden a thief comes and attacks them and steals their wallet, steals their purse, steals their car. It's just not something that you really are expecting to happen to you every day because usually you're just living your life and, and going about your business. But Paul is saying here that you should know that the day of the Lord, a day of judgment, a day of of reckoning, a day of really get, having to give an account and suffering the wrath of God for, for your sin. Paul is saying here that it comes as, as a thief in the night when you, least are, when you are least expecting it. So, which is kind of like the woman in the article, Dela Cruz, talking about how she was just on her phone one minute texting her boss and then the next minute there was just complete chaos and people running and screaming and, and blood uh, uh, along the, the subway tracks or along the subway platform. And so Paul continues in verse three, he says, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. So Paul is saying here again, where people are saying it's peace, it's safety. We, we, we've, I've heard of um, professors talking about how we live in the least violent uh, time in history and and based on certain statistics that they use. But again, Paul is saying that sudden destruction can come at any moment in time. This is it really is. It could be cataclysmic destruction where it involves a whole group of people, or it could be just individual destruction. You yourself get in a car accident or you're hit with a devastating illness or you're hit with all kinds of things that take place. And if you're not a Christian, you don't you start to realize that your life is fragile. You start to realize that your life is really short and that it could end in any moment with a car accident, with a with a sickness, with a, with a murder, with some guy just randomly shooting you or stabbing you or hitting you in the back of the head with some bricks as, as what happened to one elderly man as he was taking a walk. Some guy just came up and completely walloped him in the back of the head with, with two bricks. And so uh, these things, uh, we have to remember our lives are not promised to us. Our lives are never given. Uh, God doesn't give us a date of saying you're going to live 75 years, six months and 10 days. Uh, th that kind of guarantee is not there for anybody. Our lives can end uh, at a moment's notice, which is why the urgency of repenting and trusting in Christ for salvation of, from sin, from salvation of God's wrath 
is so imperative because you don't know when you're going to die. Because when you die, that's it. The Bible says you, uh, it is appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. So once you die, you have no recourse. You have no hope of repenting of sin. You have no hope of being cleared of your sins. As, as God says in the Old Testament, he will by no means clear the guilty. And you are guilty. You have lied. You have stolen. You have fornicated. You have lusted. You have gossiped. You've done something that was wrong in, in the eyes of God because you are by nature a sinner. I am by nature a sinner. We are all sinners, which is why you'll never hear anybody say that they are perfect, that they don't ever regret doing something wrong because they know within themselves they have violated the law of God. As the Bible tells us that the law of God is written on, the, on our hearts. And so Paul continues in, here in verse four of first first Thessalonians, where he says, but ye brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So Paul's telling us here that as Christians, we're children of the light. We're not going to be overtaken with the day of the Lord because we're not appointed unto wrath, as he'll say later. But he says, as Christians, we should be sober. We should be watchful. We should be living in this world knowing that it's going to end. As Peter tells us that the elements will melt with fervent heat and the world will pass away with a, with a great noise. Um, as one preacher said that Christians ought to believe in the Big Bang because the Big Bang is real. It's a reality. It's just the Big Bang hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so it's going to happen. It just has not taken place yet. But there will be a Big Bang, a great noise that takes place at the at the end of the age. And so Paul is telling us that we need to be awake. We need to be sober. We need to be watchful, knowing that uh, as evil uh, gets worse and worse, as evil men uh, increase, as, as the doctrine of God really is perverted with, even within the churches, we need to be watchful and ever more prayerful and ever more uh, sound in our understanding of, of God and of his word and, and obedience, living, living it out. Because it will get harder and the days will get darker. But again, if you are in Christ, if you have repented and trusted in him, if he is your Lord and Savior, then you have no need to worry. Because you are children of the light and you are not appointed to wrath, as Paul will say here in just a second. So in verse seven, he says, for they that sleep, sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For here's the point for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep. We should live together with him. So Paul is saying here, again, we are not appointed to wrath. We are not going to have to suffer the day of the Lord. We're not going to have to suffer judgment against the enemies of God. Because once you repent and put your trust in, in Christ, you're no longer God's enemy. You are his son. You are his child by adoption. The Bible says whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. So God gives you his Holy Spirit and you are actually a son or a daughter of God. And God is your father. He is your your friend, he is your provider, your protector. He is now for you and not against you. But if you are not in Christ, then you are only appointed to wrath. You are only appointed to judgment and to condemnation and ultimately to a lake of fire that never ceases to burn and to cause you internal conscious uh, torment. So Paul is saying here that if, if, if you are able to obtain salvation by Jesus Christ, he is the one who lived and died for sinners like you and me, then you will be able to live together with him because he died for you. He suffered the penalty of your sin on the cross uh, and, and willingly, willingly did so and absorbing all of your sins, all of your lying, your lusting, your thieving, your fornicating, your blasphemy, your gossip, your covetousness, your envy, 
your anger, all of it, God absorbed in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sin, that you might have hope and be able to escape this day of the Lord that will come and a day when nobody is expecting it. And so that's why uh, that mass shooting, as terrible as it is, as horrible as it is, and as evil as it is, and that hopefully that guy will get the justice that he deserves as they, as, as they have uh, arrested him today. Um, he, but what I hope is that he gets saved himself, that he realizes that he is a person that is, will one day uh, enter sudden destruction in a way that will shock him even more than he shocked the people that he attacked on the subway train. And this is why life, uh, it's, again, it's so precious, it's so fragile, and it's really not up to us, I know, how, uh, you know, when we live and when we die. But God has given us laws on how we should live and operate and govern ourselves, which leads us to this next story, which was a huge story in Oklahoma, where the Governor Stitt uh, signed the, one of the most pro-life bills in America, where they are now going to ban all abortions that are uh, except with the exception of danger to the health health of the mother, which is appropriate. All abortions, all the murders of babies should should be banned and should not be allowed to take place within a country that claims to have any semblance of morality. And because all morality, all truth, all righteousness, all justice is found in God, and God has revealed to us the standard of righteousness and morality regarding life, which is if you shed man's blood, by man should your blood be shed and because of that and why you know the bible gives us why we should put to death people who kill others is because man was made in the image of god and man at whether whatever stage of development was made in the image of god if you are a human being you are made in the image of god and, and people that are conceived in the womb they are human beings they are just developing they are just growing within the womb of a woman that god has given the ability to uh, bring a child into the world so we don't have the right to take that life. We don't have the right to do whatever we want with that life for the sake of convenience, as uh, as is what as what has been revealed with uh, even pro-abortionists like the Guttmacher Institute, which is a pro-abortion organization. They, in their own studies, have said that 99% of abortions are for the sake of convenience, for the sake of the mother just didn't want to have a baby. That's their own literature. These are people who are not saved, who want to have the ability to kill babies uh, legally, they're saying we're just doing this for our own benefit, for our own uh, convenience, because this is not. This really has nothing to do with the life of a mother. That, that's a very, very tiny uh, number of cases where that is the case, where a mother, a mother's life needs to be saved. But abortion, again, this the people that want to kill babies, that want to kill babies for the sake of their own convenience, for the sake of their own lifestyle. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma pass, passing this law did uh, the right thing. Now, with the law, there are imperfections, in, in my view, where in the bill, it's called Senate Bill 612, signed by Governor Stitt, he says, uh, the, bill, the bill says that they will not criminalize women. And let me pull up the bill's text here and show you what uh, that says so you can get the full uh, context of what it says. So uh, the act... The abortion bill, it says, an act relating to abortion defining terms prohibiting performance of or attempt to perform abortion except under certain condition, providing penalties, providing certain construction, providing affirmative defense, and providing for codification. So it's just telling you the summary of what this bill is for. It's for abortion. It's for the prohibiting of an abortion and except for certain conditions, and then it's going to provide the penalties and, and all that. So 
Uh, let me get to point one in the bill. It says the terms abortion and unborn child shall have the same meaning as provided by section 1-730 of Title 63 of the Oklahoma Statutes. And number two, it says medical emergency means a condition which cannot be remedied by delivery of the child in which an abortion is necessary to preserve the life of a pregnant woman whose life is endangered by a physical disorder, physical illness or physical injury, including a life endangering physical condition caused by or arising from the pregnancy itself. So in regards to this case, you can either uh, allow both the child and the mother to die or you can intervene and preserve the life of the, of the mother by uh, terminating the pregnancy because both lives would die. So you're saving a life uh, by, terminating the, uh, by terminating the pregnancy. So you're not just intentionally killing the baby for the convenience of the mother, but you're saving the mother's life because the baby itself uh, is a danger to the, to the life of the mother and to the, the baby's own life, like in the case of ectopic pregnancy. Um, and then another point uh, regarding the penalties, um, which is where it kind of goes off for me regarding what the Bible says. Again, we, are, we always have to be governed by what the Bible says, not what feels good or, or makes us uh, cheer. But we have to go with what the Bible is saying regarding death and life and judgment and, and penalties re regarding certain crimes. Uh, but according to this Senate bill, it says a person convicted of performing or attempting to perform an abortion shall be guilty of a felony punishable by a fine not to exceed 100000 dollars or by confinement in the custody of the department of corrections for a term not to exceed 10 years or by such fine and imprisonment so basically it's saying here that you can't punish you can punish somebody for performing an abortion but only in the case of finding them up to a hundred thousand dollars or up to 10 years in prison or both or a mixture you know a mixture of the two or a lesser dollar amount and a lesser prison sentence so, but again, what this, the standard in Genesis 9, 6 is saying that if you are intentionally killing somebody, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall your blood be shed. So you should also suffer the death penalty if you are intentionally killing a child. And again, this is not, the, the value of the human does not determine, uh, the, the location of the human does not determine the value of the human. So just because a baby is, is inside the mother's womb, that does not make them any less valuable or any less human because they are, uh, they are made in the image of God even within the womb. And so another section of the bill, it says, uh, this section does not authorize the charging or conviction of a woman with any criminal offense in the death of her own unborn child. Now, this is where I think even political conservatives, again, are, are wrong because um, political conservatives are not <laughs> uh, naturally Christian. They're, they don't have a biblical worldview. And they don't have a, tr a really true understanding of the depth of human depravity because women, once again, according to the Guttmacher Institute, who is a pro-abortion organization, says that women who seek abortions 99.9% .9 of the time are engaging in abortion or wanting an abortion for the sake of their own convenience. They, they, they just don't want to have a child. And so to pretend that women don't really understand what they're doing when they're going to get an abortion, I, I think is really... <laughs> you could say it's a form of sexism because you're saying that are you saying that women are not smart enough to understand that when they go to get an abortion they they don't understand that they're killing a child i think every woman who's ever had an abortion they really know that what they are doing is killing a, a child and killing a developing baby within the womb i just i just it's, I, I find it hard to believe that a woman doesn't know what she's doing when she's going to get an abortion no matter how old she is you know what you know what kind of understanding she has i think intuitively 
we know if you're especially if you're engaging in sexual behavior you know that pregnancy and you know children come from that and you know that the end of that that end of that pregnancy will be the birth of a child into the world i think we can't pretend that women don't know what they're doing so to not hold them accountable for their own seeking of an abortion uh, really doesn't make sense to me. To me, it would be they would be an accessory to murder because they are literally taking the baby to the person who will do commit the murder, which is the the, the quote unquote doctor, and uh, and and so they they are not ignorant of what they are doing. They know what they're doing when they're going to get an abortion. And so the other part of the bill says that they will not prohibit the sale, use, or prescription or administration of a contraceptive measure, drug, or chemical if the contraceptive measure, drug, or chemical is administered before the time when a pregnancy could be determined through conventional medical testing and if the contraceptive measure, drug, or chemical is sold, used, prescribed, or administered in accordance with manufacturer instructions. So what that's saying is there is that because they are, there are uh, abortion pills where you can, if you find out you're pregnant, you can take a pill and, and kill the baby. So they're saying that here that they won't prohibit the sale of a contraceptive if it's used to, to um, prevent a, to, to prevent conceiving from taking place, kind of like you would with a male contraceptive. Um, and so uh, and then the last section of the bill says, it is an affirmative defense to prosecution under this section if a licensed physician provides medical treatment to a pregnant woman which results in the accidental or unintentional injury or death to the unborn uh, child. So they won't prosecute a doctor if he uh, accidentally or unintentionally injures the unborn child while he's trying to provide help to the, the pregnant woman. So again, intent matters, um, truth matters, and in this case, the bill uh, we can be thankful for, I believe, because it will stop women who, are, who have been running from Texas to come to Oklahoma to get an abortion from doing so. And um, uh, so we have to um, realize that living in a fallen world, we're not going to get everything that we would want. And there has been a little debate between the incrementalist position where we just incrementally make laws that kind of restrict abortion versus the true abolitionist law, which just wants to ban abortion across the board, which I think the incrementalists would want. I think the end goal is to ban abortion to, and to end the murder of children, the legal murder of children uh, within the country uh, through the laws. Um, but I think we have to do what is best for the time being, knowing that God is would be pleased. And I think we have somewhat of an example in that in ancient, in, in ancient Israel with the kings of Israel, where either, there were a few good kings, but there were a whole bunch of bad, evil kings that were um, engaging in idolatry, engaging in, and even causing the people of Israel to sin. But there were two kings that stood out uh, uh, to me in regards to this issue of incrementalist versus abolitionist, where First Kings fifteen fourteen, you had Asa the king, and uh, he had a, a good testimony before God. And First Kings fifteen fourteen it says, um, the high places were not removed, so the places where people were sacrificing, uh, sacrificing the idols and burning incense to false gods, they were not removed by King Asa. But it says, nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. So he did. So the Bible says that his heart was perfect. His heart was dedicated to the Lord all of his days, even though he didn't remove the high places that were uh, used idolatrous and for idolatrous practices. But um, God was still pleased with Asa and still commended him in the in his word because he still had a heart dedicated to the Lord. His heart was perfect with the Lord. And now you have a Josiah who was also another good king. 
and who, all, who also did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. In 2 Kings 22, verses 1 through 2, it says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, which is kind of unimaginable, an eight-year-old reigning. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And then chapters 22 and 23 talk about how when he heard the word of the Lord read, he was convicted by it and he wanted to just completely go on a campaign to eliminate the evil that uh, was in Israel at the time. And because he was the king, he had the power to do so. So he, he took down the altars that were, that were burning incense to false gods. He took down the priest. Uh, he... Uh, took down uh, all of the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem. Them also burned, them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the hosts of heaven. In, uh, verse five of chapter twenty-three. So he took down all of these places that were being used for idolatry. He even took out the, the houses of the sodomites that were being used, and the and the groves that were being used for all of the you know sexual and and uh, idolatrous practices that Israel was taking part in, he took those all down and God commended him as well. And, and, and he even said that he was more uh, faithful or was one of the most faithful kings that Israel had had up to that time since King David. So though Josiah, you could say, was more obedient and more um, zealous to obey the Lord, uh, Asa was also still commended before God for having a right heart and a right attitude and being obedient to what the law of God said, even though he didn't take it to the to the to the um, the max where he took away the high places that were in Israel. So both kings were commended for their allegiance to the Lord, borne out by their obedience. But Josiah was commended more because of the thoroughness in the cleaning out of the evil forms of worship in Israel. So we should be grateful for at least leadership within Oklahoma who was willing to. Uh, ban abortions at least somewhat in a way that will deter people from coming here uh, and, and getting abortions from Texas and even people within Oklahoma who are wanting to get an abortion it will deter them from doing so within the state so I think we'd be thankful for that kind of leadership and that kind of at least a biblical mentality within the leadership of, of the state of Oklahoma even if it's not the uh, perfectly right biblical uh, principle of banning all abortions and punishing those who engage in them, both the doctor and the mother, with the death penalty. So I think we can be thankful for that and thankful that God is at least at work and, and you know, fulfilling his purposes within the United States um, based on what he sees as just and right at a certain time. So we can be thankful for governmental leadership that is do, at least trying to do the right thing and honoring God in, in that respect. And so um, thank you for listening today. And uh, we have another episode of the, do, of the Do Loss View coming out on Sunday with Coach Adam Bishop from Regent Preparatory School, who's a, a brilliant coach and, and doing well in the program there. And he sat down with me, talked about his coaching life, his, uh, his ministry, his, enjoy, his joy of coaching and, and his background growing up. And so we had a, a wonderful interview, a fun time talking to him. I think you'll love listening to Coach Adam Bishop. And I hope to see you on Sunday, 3 p.m., YouTube, Facebook. And, uh, and for a podcast, you can download it on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show. You can download it there and enjoy uh, some more Do Loss content coming out. So thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next episode of Do Loss.